Hi, this is Reverend Tommy, and I'd like to welcome you back to the garden where we explore the big questions about life. I invite you to open your minds and be receptive to seeing things differently. So let's get metaphysical. Well, I want to welcome you again to Unity of the Valley here today. And I don't know if some of you remember from the old college days that sometimes they would give you these cards to show what class you're in. Sometimes a professor would say, can you check your card, see if you're in the right class, please? So I want you to check your card to see if you're in the right class today. This is advanced theology. Make sure you're in the right class. <laughs> I hope you find today's subject as fascinating as I do. Although it is different what maybe some would some places we're here on Sunday mornings, yet it's still consistent with the unity's non-traditional way of seeing things, and is also consistent with our new paradigm of understanding of who and what we are. If you're not familiar with some of these ideas, then I am glad to be the one introducing you to them, because we are at that cusp, that threshold, where the caterpillar that was humankind is becoming the butterfly. Today's lesson is titled Science and Religion. It is a broad overview of how we have seen our place in the universe from the different stages of progression from the Adam man to the Christ consciousness. In human terms, from infancy to mature adult. Same progression applies to humanity as a whole as it does to us as individuals. The interesting thing might be that we get to experience both as an individual and as a whole, both. Interesting thought. As above, so below. Remember those fractal things we talked about once? This lesson is essentially a repeat of the very first lesson I ever did here or anywhere. It was some four years ago, and that, that title was The Reconciliation of Science and Religion. It started off as an article that I actually wrote to the Valley Morning Star for the editorial, and they printed it. I said, they printed it? Wow, that's pretty good. And of course, I got a lot of responses you know, along the lines of, no way that you can reconcile science and religion. Science is based on facts. Religion is, is pure myth. Never shall the two meet. They're oil and water. I've got a lot of those responses. But you know, that's representative of the view of the model of the universe that things are separate. And that's a key thing to remember today because I, I heard it, and I think it was in, in the meditation and I've heard it other places during the course of the morning, and that is central, the idea of whether we're separate or not. Anyway, I ended up writing about 14 articles altogether and they printed them. And one of them was facetiously called, I was being a smarty pants, I admit it, it was called is eternity eternal? <laughs> because it was based on the idea that people seem to think that eternity has a starting point. Maybe you've been asked, where are you going to spend eternity? And I, I like to say, I don't know, but wherever it is, I'm already there because that's what eternity means. I'm sorry. <laughs> Funny thing, I was just reading something recently in a New Thought book and the material in it, and I came across is it said, we are living in eternity now. And I said, of course we are. How else can we be? How else can it be? 
So I'm a big science guy, and I'm a big theology guy. I, like, I love, love them both. And I suppose uh, it's no coincidence that along the course of my lifetime, I have received an associate's degree in electronic technology and a bachelor's degree in philosophy. I guess I've, my interest in the workings of both the physical world and the spiritual world have been going on for a very long time. Back in 1976, when I was at TSTI, it was called then, I learned about the electromagnetic spectrum. And at the same time, I was reading stuff about the different levels of existence that there are, you know, like the astral plane, the mental plane, this, that, all this other stuff. And I'm looking at this, both of these things and I'm going, this is like the same thing. We're talking about the same thing, about a continuum of frequencies that sometimes we just group into groups and call them things like the visible spectrum, the audible spectrum, X-rays, gamma rays, things, microwaves. But the thing, the key is that they're all here at the same time. They coexist. And this is what I was reading from the spiritual books at the time that I was reading, that everything coexists at the same time. So on a much broader scale, we, we lump things into what we call matter and spirit. But like the frequencies, although they are different, they're not separate. They're made of the same stuff. Emerson said, Ralph Waldo Emerson, of course, there is no bar or wall in the soul where man the effect ceases and God the cause begins. I was in my electronic mode thinking back then, and I thought, it's like the TV, this has occurred to me in 1970, whatever, it's like the TV channels where they're all on at the same time, and what you see, what you experience, is determined by what channel you tune into. And then 30-something years later, I come to Unity, and I hear that where our consciousness is, there our experience is. I say, well, that's the same thing. We tune into what we want to see and experience. I'm especially into cosmology these days. Cosmology is the nature and the origin of the universe. Have you ever seen those programs, The Elegant Universe, uh, The Fabric of the Cosmos, things like that by these really astrophysics guys? Marvelous stuff. And maybe I've got a couple. I'll maybe have a Sunday matinee someday going to see that stuff. I've been asking questions for a very long time. And growing up a Catholic, well, all of those people who grew up in a tradition, you know that the answer you received really weren't all that satisfactory, and, and they weren't for me. And, and so I never really paid too much attention to it. See, I've got this saying. This is my saying. It's got to be about everyone. Whatever you believe, whatever thing you've concocted in your mind, as the truth, it has to be about everybody. And by everybody, I mean everybody who lives, ever has lived, ever will live on this or any other planet you can or can't imagine. That is the measuring stick of the belief system. And that's what I love about unity, because it's so conce conceptual in nature that it, it, you, can, you can transcend these large, broad, ways of seeing things, and it makes perfect sense to me. Always struggle with mainstream. I always thought something was right, but I finally came to the conclusion, 
about Main Street theology, especially Christianity, growing up a Christian. I came up to the conclusion that something is right about it, but something is wrong about it. And I just didn't know what it was until I came to Unity, started studying, and I finally figured it out. This is what's right about it. The life and the example of Jesus is what's right about it. The story that was made up about Jesus later by men is what's wrong about it. I know I've talked about that before, and I'll leave that for another lesson, but suffice it to say there is a big difference between the life of Jesus and the story about Jesus. Big difference. I just heard a, I've been also studying the great courses, and I just heard a CD on St. Augustine. And this is by the best college professors in the country. And Augustine was the same way. He, his mother was a, was a devout Catholic. And growing up, he always asked questions, and the Catholic Church couldn't answer things for him. He just thought that, that it, it was nonsensical what he was hearing. So he left the church. He completely left the church. And then he came across St. Ambrose and started hearing the scripture interpreted a little bit differently, and then he came back eventually. But he was big into the science and the religion thing and about making sense of the entire picture. Very big on that. So science and religion, matter and spirit, the visible, the invisible, the body, and the soul. Yes, they are different, but are they separate is the question. Are we talking about two independent realms of existence that have, one has nothing to do with the other? Well, let's start with the earliest thinkers. When man first started to contemplate the universe and our relationship to it, the point of view was not separation. Again, this non-separation thing. Over and over, you're going to hear it. In antiquity, the scientist and the philosopher were essentially one and the same person. Pythagoras was a philosopher and a mathematician. Aristotle was a philosopher and a scientist. Copernicus was an astronomer and a priest. Galileo, likewise, a scientist, a philosopher. These men did not have the view that the world was separate from God. That view of separation is a Christian view about the fall and all of this stuff. We'll get into that some other time. Of course, we at Unity say that that is an inaccurate model of the universe, plain and simple, an inaccurate model of the universe. And it no longer serves us. So we've just kind of just, we don't need to deal with that separation idea. At the most simplistic level, unity says, if God is everywhere, then how is it possible to be separate from it? How? Unity and New Thought has from day one always sought to reconcile this puzzle that is life. Because science and religion are just two pieces of the puzzle, of the same puzzle. Early thinkers had the same view. They were just simply trying to figure things out. This was and still is the common ground here. The fact is the word science comes from the Latin meaning knowledge. Here's the question though, knowledge of what? The philosophical answer to that question is 
causation. Causation is what causes things to do or to be what they are. In other words, how do things work? That's what we're trying to figure out. Both the scientist and the theologian are trying to figure out the same thing. Clearly, the first question is, how did the universe come into existence at all? The Bible, which is a religious book, addresses this question from the very beginning. Modern man might think, well, that's more of a subject for science. But again, these people weren't looking at it, in it from that different perspective like that. For the writer of Genesis, the answer was simple. God made it. The class is over. End of conversation. This, of course, was a prevailing view for a very long time until the scientific revolution of the 17th century. What happened was basically the church had all the answers, all the answers. Any question you might have, whether it be about history, about religion, about ethics, it was in the Bible. Church was the authority figure on this. God created everything and we are at the center of this universe. Remained this way for 1,400 years. And as I said last time, the church had a problem with the calendar and they brought along Copernicus and Copernicus kind of figured out and told him that the, we weren't the center of the universe. And they didn't really care for that at all. And they told Copernicus, you are not to say anything to anybody about this stuff. Why would you think they would say that? The reason why is because the church was the authority and the Bible was the authority. So if you question the most fundamental thing about how creation was done, then you're questioning the authority of the church and of the Bible. And they would have no part of it. And they told him, you will zip it, Copernicus. You will. And he did, because this is the time of the Inquisition. You just don't, you don't go against the church. You know what that means? So he did until his deathbed, and then he published all this stuff. So this basically began the scientific materialism. Soon after that, there was Sir Isaac Newton. And the Newtonian physics, we're all familiar with that to some extent. Maybe the, the biggest one we know, of course, is action and reaction, which has a parallel theme in the Bible about sowing and reaping. So we know a little bit about Newtonian physics, but perhaps you don't know is that Newtonian physics is based purely on mechanics, purely. What I mean is that the laws are based completely on physical property of things. In other words, there is nothing, there is no element of God or invisible forces of any kind in Newtonian physics. And it works like a charm. It works like a charm so well that we stuck to it for 300 years. And at some point, the actual head of the physics department at Harvard University said, we have learned all we need to know about the goings on of this universe. We know it all now. But, so what happened was then, there was a turn of events. Now, see, Science, religion was no longer the authority on truth. Now it was science. We are the authority of truth. We don't need God in the picture. This is what science thought. 
And so we got to the point where the Harvard professor said, we learned all we ever learned, all we have to do is fine tune things. But something was happening at the same time, and that is the discovery of quantum physics. I don't know if you know what quantum physics is, but it is a study of the subatomic world. And when they started to run experiments on the subatomic world using Newtonian physics, it didn't work because Newtonian physics is based on certainty. You can predict things. This is how we send somebody to the moon because you can calculate. You know that you know, we're, we're turning, of course, but we're moving. It's like a football player, like a receiver running down the field. You don't throw the ball to where the guy is. You throw the ball to where he's going to be when the ball gets there. So the same with this, and this is how we land on the moon or Mars or whatever, because everything is moving. But through Newtonian physics, we can figure this out. We know where the thing is going to be when we get there, however long it takes. And it worked like a charm. But then along comes quantum physics, and it upsets everything. It doesn't work anymore. This certainty is replaced by uncertainty with probability. Long story short, what science had previously seen as purely matter through experiments was not working that way anymore. Because when they were running, when they were running experiments on these subatomic parts, they were, they were finding out that sometimes the subatomic part would act like a particle, which is a thing, and sometimes it would act like energy, which is a non-thing. And the scientists were very puzzled. They said, this, this cannot be happening. You cannot do this. You can't be, and at the same time, by the way, you cannot be both a thing and a non-thing at the same time. And the microscopic thing said, yes, we can. Haven't you heard in the Bible that it says all things are possible with God? Well, maybe they didn't say that, but you know what I mean. So what happened was the strangest thing to them they could ever imagine, the scientists. See, they thought we had the mindset of separation. Here we go again with the idea of separation. They had the mindset of separation. So they thought that it is possible to observe something independently of the thing to try to determine what that thing is. And what they realized through quantum physics is that that doesn't happen. Because once you, what happened was whether the subatomic little particle acted like a thing or a non-thing was determined by what the experimenter was expecting. If he set it up for it to become a thing, it would be a thing. If he set up the experiment to become to be a wave, it would be a wave. And so he realized that, that the, the observer is part of the equation. So it's telling us that we alter that which we see. It doesn't exist independently of us. This is the bottom line. It is an active, inner active universe. We live in an inner active universe. 
Now science is saying that matter, though it appears as matter, is not really a thing. It only appears as such. That these subatomic particles really aren't things. They're pure energy. And what does the Bible tell us? It says God is spirit. And we are created in God's image and likeness. So we too are spirits. Translated into scientific terminology, we appear to be bodies, but we're not bodies. We are spirit. And what is spirit? It is energy. We are energy that appears to be a body. The point here is that we have a body, but we are not a body. You know that biblical passage? I'm in this world, but not of this world. That's what that means. I have a body, but I'm not the body. We have bodies because that is what we need to express ourselves in this world. It is like an astronaut in a spacesuit. He needs a spacesuit to be able to be in space. It's part of what he needs. But nobody confuses the space suit for the astronaut. But we are so externally oriented, and it's been such a long time that we've been focused on the outside, that we've come to believe that we are the space suit, this body, and we're not. What we teach here, this is the funny thing about these uh, subatomic particles. They also, they, talk, they talk about parallel universes. They can be in two places at once. They can have instantaneous communication. I don't care if they're separated by light years. They can do this stuff. And here's the funny part. We're made of those things. How is it we can't do that? If they do it and we're made of those things, how does this work? What we do in Unity, we teach that it is due to self-imposed limitations Thoughts. I love what Fillmore says about, you know that song we used to sing in Catholic Church? Something about uh, set the captives free. He said the captives that we have are our thoughts. Our limiting thoughts are the captives that we hold prisoner, that we must set free. Our thoughts. We must set free the thought of limitation. It is a difficult thing to do, I understand. But that's what we have to do. So we teach we are self-imposed prisoners. Self-imposed. Now maybe you're wondering about this, time, about this time, what does all this have to do with Sunday morning, with religion, with church? The answer it has everything to do with it. Because everything is one. The Bible writers at the time had their level of consciousness. And they were trying to express their view of God and man and the relationship between God and man from the level of consciousness that they had. But that is not the level of consciousness that we have anymore. So we need to see this thing a little bit differently. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. In Matthew 19, 26, it says, But Jesus beheld them, and said unto them, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Mm. Possible, it says, possible. 
That means it is in potential waiting for you or me or something to bring it forth. But it is there in potential always, always has been, always will be. As I said before, cell phone technology was possible during the time of Jesus, but the consciousness level was not to the point where it could bring it forth. But possible? Everything is possible all the time. Isn't that what it just said in Matthew? I believe that's what it said. So let me put this possibility, wrap this up for this class in theology and science. <laughs> By putting all this into modern language, there's a, there's, a, there's a book called The Field, The Quest for the Secret Force of the Universe by Lynn McTaggart. And this is what she says. And remember the idea of everything is possible, as it says in the Bible? But this is, would be, if Jesus was talking to us now with our understanding of things, he would say it this way. But this is what she says. Another marvelously puzzling paradox about physical reality is that it technically doesn't exist. This zero-point field is an ocean of microscopic vibrations in the space between things, a state of pure potential and infinite possibility. Particles exist in all possible states until disturbed by us by observing or measuring at which point they settle down at long last into something real. In other words, reality exists on a need to exist basis. Everything is everywhere all the time and our minds, our consciousness, plucks things out of this cosmic soup and sorts them into time and space, thus creating what we assume to be reality. See, if Jesus had told them that, they would have gone, huh? <laughs> so he just said, look, all things are possible with God, okay? Just leave it at that. <laughs> Again, the mindset. Who, who are we talking to you now? At what level of, of mentality are we talking to? If you understood that, then you're at a different level than, obviously, than, than they are. But it's the same statement. It's just a little more explained now from the way that we see things these days. So, recently I came across this statement. It says, science is climbing the proverbial knowledge mountain of knowledge, and at the top, they found the Buddha. Amen. 